So you want to know the ins and outs of managing your money. Well, lucky for you, you're just in time for another episode of Master Your Finances with certified financial planner professional, Kurt Baker. Kurt and his panel of experts are here for you and will cover topics from a legal and personal standpoint. They'll discuss tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money, and more. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. Let's learn how we can better change our habits with Kurt Baker. Good morning and welcome back to another edition of Master Your Finances presented by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. I'm Kurt Baker, a certified financial planner professional located in Princeton, New Jersey. I can be, be reached to our website, which is www.cwmi.us. Or you can call me directly at 609-716-4700. This week, very pleased to have with us, Kevin Gabauer from Bordentown, New Jersey who holds a bachelor's degree in business management from the College of New Jersey. After graduating from TCNJ in 2009, Kevin began his career as a commercial insurance broker and was named Sales Agent of the Year in 2011 for new revenue generation. In pursuit of a new challenge, Kevin left his comfortable salary benefits behind in 2013 and formed a new venture with close college friend Tom Armetti. Armenti. Uh, Tom had created a late night quick service restaurant concept called the Fat Shack and recently moved the business to Fort Collins, Colorado, home of Colorado State University. In two, February 2013, Kevin packed his car, drove across the country and got to work. Kevin and Tom opened a second Fat Shack located in Boulder, Colorado. Later that year, began setting their sights on franchise growth. By 2015, Fat Shack was licensed to franchise. The duo quickly opened three new locations over the next six months. Equipped with proof of concept, Kevin and Tom expanded the brand to 11 locations across Colorado, Texas, and beyond before landing on season 10 finale of ABC's Shark Tank with offers from four of the five sharks. Kevin and Tom locked in a six-figure deal with billionaire Mark Cuban. Fat Shack currently has 22 operating locations across eight states, with five additional locations under development. As a young entrepreneur who took the leap of faith, Kevin is passionate about mentoring those who dream of becoming their own boss and are ready to pour everything they've got into making that dream a reality. Um, Kevin, I really appreciate you coming back on. I know I first I first met you, quote unquote, at uh, a chamber event, and you know we're all about promoting business. And as an advisor, I'm all about you know, you got to promote the wealth and, and do it in a way you love. And, and that, you know, managing it, uh, you know, is the secondary part. The first part is you got to love what you're doing and do well at it. And I think you're you're you're, you're kind of the epitome of uh, entrepreneurship where you kind of learned this early on. Uh, most a lot of people don't learn it until a little bit later on. So I think that's pretty cool. So you want to take us through some of those yeah. steps? You're just hanging out in your college dorm one day. Say, hey, though, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and, and just take on the country on and hang out with Mark Cuban one day, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's funny. First of all, thanks uh, for having me on. Obviously really appreciate the invite. Uh -huh. And uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, interesting story. I think I, uh, you know, I had heard everything that everybody else my age at the time had heard, you know, you go to college, you, you get an internship, you, you go out into the career world and, and, you know, get yourself a nice salary with benefits package and live a comfortable life. And, that was kind of my plan. Uh, it's what I did right after school. Like you said, I, I went to the college in New Jersey, uh, right over in Ewing, uh, and graduated in 2009 and went right into commercial insurance sales. Uh, liked it. You know, I, I think mostly I liked the challenge because, you know, selling insurance is just a, you know, it's something nobody really likes to talk about all the time. And, and it's just it's just a challenging sell for the most part. And so I, I, I did sort of like that. So but I had a buddy who I went to, to the college in New Jersey with him and I had pledged a fraternity together, you know, best friends throughout, um, throughout going to school there. And he was just, you know, the complete opposite that, that I was, he, he was the guy that, you know, would show up to class a little late, you know, wait till the last day to do the projects. And, uh, you know, he, he, he would never, he actually never had an internship. He, he kind of just played online poker, you know, made some money that way and, and got through school. But um, it, just a risk taker. So him and I are very different in that sense. But he had this idea because, you know, we would go out and we'd party on the weekends and 
sometimes the weekdays and, and, and uh, you know, in the middle of the night, there was nowhere to go. I mean, there was no, you know, none of us could drive. And so we were relying on, you know, getting delivery food. And, you know, sure, there was a couple pizza places, a couple places that you know, had wings and stuff like that. But, you know, half the time you'd order and then, you know, they either wouldn't show up or when they do show up, it was just kind of cold and disgusting. And, and so I think Tom knew, you know, in his mind, like, wow, we just, there's just got to be a, a, a restaurant that cares, like in the middle of the night you know, servicing customers and providing great quality food. And, um, and so we just didn't have that. And when we graduated, basically I had gone off to insurance and his big thing was, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna start this restaurant. You know, I was gonna, I don't have a job lined up because, you know, he hadn't had any internships leading up to that point and, uh, you know, no real prospects in the real world, I guess. Um, but anyway, he started getting, uh, quotes just from contractors. He started looking, you know, at different retail spaces available in Ewing nearby the college and, and, and Ryder too, because we, uh, in the beginning, did a lot of deliveries over to Ryder. Um, and he was getting quotes back from contractors saying, yeah, we could build out the restaurant, but it'll be, you know, 150K or 130K. And, you know, he just, he just graduated school. He had, you know, next to no money to his name, like most of us did at the time. And uh, I think he just kind of thought to himself, if you know, if this is going to happen, like, I, I got to get creative because there's no other way. Um, and so what he did was he ended up going to several different restaurants in town with the hopes of essentially allowing or having one of the restaurants allow him to use their kitchen in the middle of the night when they were closed because, you know, maybe they were open for breakfast or lunch or, um, and then his idea was, you know, maybe I could just go in there and serve my food when, when they're otherwise not even in there. So, he found a bagel shop um, that was that would like the idea, and so they 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 split the rent. Um, it was a really really small bagel store, and so the deal was, you know, hey, Tom's going to pay half of the rent for this guy, and and he would operate, um, you know, from six at night until four in the morning, uh, and then right when he was done at four in the morning, they would come in and make the bagels for the day. Um, but it, it was such a small bagel shop, he had to agree to store all the the food for the fat shack off premises. And, you know, the only thing he had was his college house <laughs> and a garage. So he bought a couple box freezers from Home Depot. And uh, it's funny because now we look back as, you know, all the food distributors, you know, you know they don't deliver to residential houses. So he, <laughs> he had to find a, he had to find a local, uh, you know, a local company that was willing to kind of say, yeah, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll deliver the food to this garage. <laughs> Um, so anyway, he had all the food stored there and he would basically just drive it over every night. He, he would load up his car with French fries and chicken fingers and cheesesteak enough to get through, uh, that night's business. And then, uh, yeah. And then he just launched. So basically he, he started the fat shack. It was in Ewing. Uh, it was at this bagel shop. There was no signage. I think most people had no idea where it even was. Um, he, you know, he didn't have any money to promote it. So, you know, what he did was kind of take a bunch of menus and, and, and go up and down the dorms at TCNJ and, and, uh, you know, hand out menu, get the word out. I think he started a Facebook group uh, a couple of days ahead of the launch. Um, and, you know, we had a big network of friends at TCNJ. So, uh, a lot of people, you know, joined that. And then the staff was predominantly just friends and fraternity brothers that, you know, needed some beer money. <laughs> so that was the staff in the beginning. And, uh, you know, nobody knew what they were doing, but it somehow came together. Um, and then basically what had happened, he operated that for about a year. And Tom has family uh, out in, in Colorado, uh, Loveland, Colorado, not about an hour, hour or so north of Denver, uh, who saw that the business uh, was doing really well. And, and obviously TCNJ was you know, it was a smaller school. It's, I think it was 4,000, 5,000 kids at the time. Um, and so they had convinced him, hey, you know, the store's doing really well out there. You know, come come out to Fort Collins with Colorado State. I mean, we've got like 30,000 kids out here. And, um, you know, so he, he made a trip or two out there and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to move my whole life out to Colorado. And that was back in 2010. Um, and he basically opened up his first full fat shack, uh, in 2011 and that one was unique. Uh, so he ran into the same problems like he did in Ewing, where it was going to be a lot of money to, to build it out. And, you know, he was starting to do well, but you know, not, 
not ready to drop 200k for for a kitchen build out. Uh, so he had actually found a, a, a it was a Chinese place that was um, going out of business, but they had all the the kitchen infrastructure in there in the space. So the hood, the grease trap, uh, you know, the walk-ins, uh, everything that would otherwise cost a ton of money to put in there, um, it was already in the space. So. He negotiated that deal, um, you know, with a little help from his uncle, and he opened that spot in August of 2011. And all the while, he, he you know, I, I was in the background. I was, you know, being best friends. I was following along with what was going on, and I was doing the insurance for the two for the two restaurants. And he was always kind of like, yeah, you know, you should you should you should quit your job. You should come out. You know, we'll build this fat shack across the country, and we'll we'll start franchising and all this stuff. And you know, at the time, you just think like, I'm, you know, I'm doing really well at the agency. Like, I, I don't think, you know, it sounds great, but it's tough to, you know, it's tough to uproot your life and, and you know, go against what, you know, what you've been hearing your whole life, you know, growing up, get, get yourself a job. Great. You got it. And now you're going <laughs> to, now you're going to ruin that. Um, but, you know, Tom, like I had alluded to a little bit, I mean, him and I do really differ in the skill sets and, you know, he's always said like, you're the most organized guy I know. And, and you know, that's the biggest thing I lack. Um, and so he's always kind of been, been hoping that, that I would make the jump. And so, yeah, back in, uh, it was 2012, I started working a little bit behind the scenes with him, just developing, you know, ideas, putting a business plan together because that's a little foreign to him. Uh, and, uh, basically in 2013, I just, I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'll never be this young. I, I've got no, uh, you know, things holding me back, you know, like a mortgage or a, or a family or kids. Um, so if I'm going to do it, I, I, I have to do it now. And it's the only option. And so it wasn't, it was definitely not my plan. I mean, I thought I would just follow the traditional path, like my other friends. And, but I was like, you know what, I, this is, it's either now or never. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I left the career, you know, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm moving to Colorado and, and, and let's just do this. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Kevin. That was excellent background. We'll, we'll be, we're listening to the master finances. We're going to be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker here with Kevin Gebauer of Fat Shack. And boy, what an interesting story. I mean, you, you said a lot in the first segment that I, 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 things that I picked out of there is one, um, you know, you first, you follow kind of the traditional path. And, and I, and I know there's some personalities that some people are like identified as like just an entrepreneur spirit, like that you can't, they just don't work well with others. And you hear that a lot from, from entrepreneurs, but the biggest holdback that many entrepreneurs have is they're ready to go out and take that risk solve the problem, move along. But the thing they, they lack is the organizational skills to do, to do the back end of the operation. So it's really key for entrepreneurs to, re, to, to realize that part. In fact, they talk about that all the time. When, when entrepreneurs get to certain, certain stage, they tend, to, they tend to have a problem because they aren't documenting their finances. They don't really know why they're making money. They just know they're making money. Um, mm -hmm. So the fact you guys were good friends and you had the organizational skills. And as you point out, anybody who jumps into commercial insurance in their 20s and is able to be successful at it obviously has a strong set of organizational skills because that's one of those things where you sit down and, you know, you just have to it's a numbers game man. you got to sit there, bang, 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 bang and hit your numbers. And it's all about just being disciplined, doing it, not letting anybody distract you and documenting exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it and kind of fine tuning the, the skills 
based on what you're trying to accomplish. Whereas his is kind of like, Hey, I don't have 50 grand. I need a kitchen. Let me just go and knock on a few doors and find somebody. that's like, Oh, bagel store. They close in the middle of the afternoon. They don't need their store at night. Maybe they'll let me do. I mean, most, uh, you know, more organizational type people don't think, Hey, let me just go in there and say, I'm going to come in at, you know, from, from 6 PM in the night until you get ready to make your bagels at 4 AM and, and take over and, and pay half your rent. That, that's, yeah. Those are two different uh, things that kind of diametrically opposed in the personality types, which you get two people together to kind of click and, and make that happen. And of course he's all, you know, he's the guy running out there. Like I'm going to go to Colorado, wherever the opportunities I'm going. And the yeah. fact he could kind of pull you in, was kind of amazing and that you guys uh, put it all together. I mean, I'm, I, I love the story. I just, I think it's like that ideal combination of skill set and, uh, and, and finding the right opportunity. And the opportunity was amazing. Right. So my understanding is like, like your, your pizza parlors are closed. Right. So if you're up at studying for a, an exam at like one or two of them, I think you guys stay up open pretty late. Right. I think that was one of your differentiators. Yeah. So yep. You found so a need open. and you kind of plugged in. Yeah, right? definitely. And I think Facebook had just started around 2009 getting popular, right? So you guys kind of latched onto that social media deal. We forget it's like everywhere now. But back then, that was kind of a new new thought process. Not everybody was using these social media things. 2009, it was just started creeping out. Um, so you guys were right on there. You, you know, nothing like the flyers. And another thing I think is really important to people that don't understand that are trying to start a business. I think I have to have money to start a business. Really have to have creativity energy sales then you yeah. fund the business so you the concept has to work otherwise you have all the money in the world if the concept doesn't work yeah. you're just going to lose it so you yeah. gotta you gotta kind of reverse that thought process where i have to have something that at the end of the day i have more money than i had at the beginning of the day and if you don't have that it's just not going to work right yeah so you guys all the, you checked all those boxes that many people miss especially when you guys are younger like this this is stuff people go to workshops and seminars and learn their whole lives and they're still yeah. struggling to make that like get that in, get that in their heads that's the way it really works we yeah, all have that struggle right definitely and, and you know, and, and, and yeah that is a big misconception especially nowadays uh people are you know hey i need, I need all this money in order to start but you know you don't you got to just get creative and you got to figure out a way to do it without the money and then you know the money will come and it'll help and it'll help you grow but yeah i mean if you start by truly making the model the model first you know for us it's the only way um, and you know, now it, it serves us really well. Cause you know, we've got no debt, we've got no, you know, nobody to answer to. And, and we're just on, you know, such a great growth trajectory, but yeah, I mean, you gotta get creative. You, know, you gotta just, you gotta try a million things. Cause you know, chances are almost all of them are not going to work, but maybe one will, right. <laughs> you know, and the fact so, that you jumped from TC and J, which is kind of like a safe spot, right? Well, yeah. you say about 4,000 students yeah. like, and said, Hey, there's 30,000 students. So almost 10 times, right? Eight, yep. nine times, whatever it is. All right. Okay. That's an opportunity. I mean, most entrepreneurs would not be willing to just uproot that business yeah. and say, okay, here's a bigger market. Let me just go for it. Yeah. And, and, and you know, from the outside looking in, you know, I, you know, especially looking back, I mean, there's a lot of things we've done that make very little sense, I think from the outside perspective, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was interesting too, because, you know, our menu's crazy and, like you said, the social media too definitely plays into it because, you know, we're serving fat sandwiches and in New Jersey, people know what that is because they've been around for a while since the late eighties. And, but, you know, we went to Colorado and, you know, no one had any idea what the heck we were putting on this sandwich. They were like, this is insane. Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, how'd, you, you know? how'd you educate them about that? I mean, you got a brand new item. Yeah. That's a challenge, right? I mean, that's a little was, bit of it, especially there where they're really health conscious, right? Isn't that kind of yeah, a healthy yeah. area? I mean, that was, yeah, Colorado's got to be top 10 still, like healthiest states. And, you know, it was a slow grind in the beginning. You know, Tom, you know, the sales weren't, you know, he had to build them up, you know, and, and they had to get the word out and, you know, do all the things that eventually build the business. But, yeah, it was it was definitely a challenge just kind of bringing that whole concept of a fat sandwiches out to the mountains. <laughs> no one really knew. Um, but it was cool because we had a lot of guys that, um, you know, s some people that went to CSU that were from New Jersey that kind of heard like, Oh wait, fat sandwich place in town. Like this is insane. And so they, they applied to work, you know, at the fat shack back in 2011, 2012. And they're still with us today. Some of which own stores, some of which are working for me corporately now. Um, and you know, they sort of just flocked knowing what we were doing. Um, but obviously being in an area where it's not really been done before. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, the, the late nights are our big, That'll always be our bread and butter. I mean, we're open as late as 4 a.m. Um, in some of the major markets like Denver and Fort Worth and Seattle. Um, but, 
Yeah. And even, you know, one in the morning on the weekdays. So, you know, when all the other restaurants are closed and, you know, there's a handful nowadays that do stay open late, but, you know, our thought was, Hey, let's specialize in this and let's make sure that the food's on point and the customer service is on point, whether it's two o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the morning, you know, let's, let's make sure we're there and let's make sure we're consistent. So, so you really focus the, the, on the university, right? Which I guess you're bringing, you're pulling from all over the country. So did that help you out? And how did you market to them? Because you kind of knew TC and J, you'd been there, right? You were there, so that yep. you kind of knew that. So how did you just yeah. kind of go? We just walk on campus and <laughs> yeah. Around? I mean, we were still. I mean, we still look like college kids at the time. So so. We were, I mean, I had gone like for example, our second store in Boulder, Colorado. Um, again, you know, we, we had gotten a loan from his dad, top from Tom's dad from the Home Equity Line of Credit to start the store. It was about eighty eighty eight thousand um, dollars, and by the end of it you know, construction, all this stuff, we got everything ready, but we didn't have any money left to advertise. So, you know, luckily we had a really good spot, like right on the, it's called the Hill. It's right in between where, you know, the kids live and campus. So it's, it's a perfect, you know, it's perfect area for us. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people had walked by leading up to the open so they knew about it, but we just printed out, you know, a couple coupons and flyers that we gave away to some fraternity and sorority people um, at like this football game. They had the, the, you know, the weekend before, and, uh, you know, that next year, yeah, we were just hitting the dorms. I mean, I would just go in uh, to the, you know, the freshman, sophomore, and I'd just pass out menus, you know, and, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think they're, you're allowed to do that anymore, <laughs> but, you know, we kind of got in there and, and, and got the word out that way, just kind of like a guerrilla marketing initiative. And, you know, luckily it kind of spread. And I think, I think what helped us too is the fact, you know, that the food is a little wild. So people see it and they, they, they want to talk about it. Um, or share the pictures with their friends and stuff like that. So once you get them in, now you brought, you started bring, you started hiring some of the students too, right? So did that help oh, yeah. with the actual marketing? I mean, if they're going to work, definitely. Then, so how did how did you go through that process of of hiring? Them? I guess there were people that obviously liked the sandwich, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, we, we we've uh, yeah we so we again we have like a little bit of a unique model, so I feel like we draw in a good amount of people that that want to have a job. I mean, the, the reality is the restaurant industry is tough. I mean, especially. You know, just the work and, and, and being in a hot kitchen and, and having to be busy and, and being under pressure to get food out in, you know, eight minutes or less, you know, that's a challenge for sure. And, you know, we've definitely found, you know, as we've uh, scaled and, you know, getting college kids, especially, you know, sometimes in like the in like the university town in Boulder, you know, their mom and dad maybe just made them get a job, but now they're realizing, oh, crap, this is actually hard. <laughs> so I don't, you know, and then they'll flake out. But, you know, especially with us too, I mean, you're, if you're working, I mean, you, you could be in there as late as four or five in the morning after cleanup. Um, you know, so that was a concern of ours just in general, thinking like, God, we can find anybody that is willing to work these hours. Um, but, you know, you find, you get that camaraderie with, with, with the, sh the people on shift you're with and, you know, it's been people work those shifts all the time and they love them, you know. Um, but, yeah, a lot of our a lot of our um, staff now, I would say at least 20, 30 percent is, is probably college kids in, in some capacity, um, especially in the college markets. So how do you how do you address turnover? That's got to be tough. You're dealing with a college town, which has turnover yep. automatically. Yep. Plus, the industry has turnover. So you've got kind of a double issue going on there they're, they're literally yeah. leaving every few years and coming in definitely yeah and, you gotta and constantly promote i'm assuming it's like a constantly hiring process i would think yep. absolutely yeah so so that's yeah we're not immune to just the restaurant industry at large in the sense that yeah the turnover in the restaurant industry is tough you know and i think we've found a little bit of a unique niche in the sense that you know a lot of our people like i was mentioning you know started with us from being you know a delivery driver a kitchen worker and now they're working corporately and now they own their own store and so there is a real path to sure you could be on shift you could be a shift manager assistant gm gm get on your own store if you want to and you know we've helped in many cases finance a lot of these a lot of these owners that you know i know that they'll be there in the middle of the night you know dealing with whatever issues necessary but you know you go into a bank and what are they 23 years old with no money like they're not getting a loan you know you don't need money unless you don't need it yeah yeah. So we've, you know, we've taken a lot of, I mean, we don't view them as risky, but from the outside looking in a lot of risky bets on people where, yeah, I mean, we put up hundred grand or 150 grand for somebody and I know that they're the right person and that they just lack the capital. So great. Let's uh, let us help, you know, facilitate that, um, that store getting open, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, we've definitely taken a few gambles like that and we plan to continue doing that. Um, but yeah, it's just, 
it's just been wild, you know? Well, your, your expansion has been fantastic. And we're going to take a quick break. If we come back, we're going to talk about your next step was, I guess, going on national TV. Maybe tell us a little bit about yeah. why you did that and how that turned out. You listen to sure. Master Your Finance. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm here with uh, Kevin Gebauer, and uh, we're talking about your your initial like startup and Colorado, when you moved, right? It's because you had a bigger opportunity. You saw an opportunity, a little bit of a struggle, more of a healthy, uh, you know, kind of area where they want to have healthy feud. And, and Fat Shack is not really known for uh, no. having a lot of the the uh, the ingredients that might be in other restaurants nearby. But it was different. It was a, it was a, it was a unique thing. And you and you went into the college. You promoted uh, some of the same struggles. We overcame them. And now you you built it up. And what I like is that you 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 had the employees you kind of watch them it's almost like an internship and once you see somebody that looks like a real leader somebody knows how to manage the store you're willing to bet on them and really expand outside let them own their own store which is really cool because a lot of employees may not be willing to take that huge leap they love to have that backing if somebody's kind of already done it they've got the skill sets they've got the drive they're willing to do what's got to be happening and you guys have got the template uh, and you've got the, the the knowledge and the backing to make that happen so the partnership there I think is awesome for somebody who's really literally, you know, young and really has never done anything. And the banks are not going to tie in and, and, and lend it. But you guys are because you've seen them work. You know how they work. So you got this thing up to about 11 stores, I think. Right. And yep. then you say, hey, let, let, let's go on national TV and meet Mark Cuban, maybe. I, I mean, how did yeah. that all happen? I mean, it just seems kind of interesting because most entrepreneurs, they're growing, they're building. They kind of have yep. a template that works. I guess the first question would be. Why did you even do that? What why what yeah. made you think to go ahead and do that? And what was the benefit to you? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of things. So we, I mean, Tom and I both had, had watched, you know, Shark Tank since I think it started and big fans of the show, loved it. You know, love watching people fail and see what mistakes they're doing or see how they're succeeding and all that. And uh, you know, yeah, at the, at that point we had bootstrapped the whole thing. We, you know, we didn't need any money, but I think at the time we were we were kind of thinking that, yeah, we had eleven stores. We were in Colorado, Texas, and Washington State at the time. Um, you know, we were in a great position, but uh, we thought that, you know, if we did go on, we were kind of at the point where, you know, yeah, we could probably actually put a use to the money, you know, predominantly in, in being able to lend to a couple other people that we knew were would be successful. Um, so we kind of just, you know, we just decided, hey, like, it'd be cool. Like, let's maybe, <laughs> let's maybe, you know, so there was a, there was a, a casting call in Denver and, and um, I was in New Jersey for, for family event and uh, Tom was in, in Denver and his cousin said, hey, there's a casting call, like you should go down. And, you know, he was like, yeah, maybe. And, and he ended up going down there, striking up a conversation with one of the producers and, you know, he didn't have anything prepared, you know, like Tom normally wouldn't. <laughs> so he just brought a couple menus, had his fat check shirt on and, and uh, yeah, I thought the conversation went well. And at the end, they kind of just say, yeah, you know, you probably, probably never hear from us again because there's thousands of people there and, you know, they can only, I guess, select a handful. Um, but then we went through the process. We got an email saying, "Hey, they liked your stuff, and 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 you know now submit all you know all this information and paperwork and send us a video." And and so yeah, I mean we were just at the point where you know what it'd be cool if we went on there. Um, you know, Mark Cuban was was definitely our, our top you know pick, and and that was who we were you know gunning for. Um, and yeah, we just sort of in Tom fashion, we just just do it, <laughs> see what happens, you know. So 
Yeah, it was crazy. Like the, the process to get there obviously is, is really intense and involved and, and due diligence that they do ahead of time. And, uh, you know, videos we got to send them about the business and calls with producers and, you know, a couple months worth of back and forth. And, 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 you know, all the while they say, Hey, just, you know, we don't want to get your hopes up though. Cause you know, there's 40,000 people that apply and we can only really pick like 150. Um, so, you know, we knew that was a big reality and, and, you know, but every time we'd gotten an email or a call back saying, Hey, they love the story. Like we're going to book your flight. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great. Um, so yeah, so that was back in September of uh, 2018 actually so we filmed in September 2018 we didn't air until May of 19 uh, because they ended up putting us on the um, the very last episode of the very last show so we had to wait the longest period of time um, but anyway it was, it was just wild too because uh, you know you talk about just putting things together and making things work and you know as we were talking and communicating with the producers they said hey you know, we've got like this little mini kitchenette that you guys can make the food in, you know, before you go on. And we're thinking, okay, great, cool. And then, um, you know, then they're kind of letting us know exactly what's going on in there. And it's this little like closet room with like a refrigerator and a freezer. And there's, it's not a kitchen. Uh, it's funny that they even call it a kitchen. So we're like, all right, room to me. it was definitely <laughs> a break room. And so it's where, they, it's where like the producers and the staff is for lunch. And, you know, and there's like some countertop space, not, but not really. So, we're like, all right, well, we got to buy electric fryers from Amazon or somewhere online, a griddle. I mean, we got to do all, we got to buy all this crap to, to make this thing happen. And then we also got to get our food from Denver to LA somehow. And we were working with our, our food provider at the time who, who does have a warehouse in LA, but it, at the last minute, they just, it wasn't going to work. And so we were like, okay, well, then we just got to buy coolers and, and ice packs and <laughs> put this on the plane. You know, luckily it's only an hour and a half flight. And so you know, it was a super hot day and we we're concerned, we we're worried, you know, we, we put it all, check it all as luggage, like these four different big um, containers with like, you know, the straps to make sure they're not going to pop open. Um, and we get to LA and, and luckily everything's still frozen. And, and so, you know, a couple of days later, we're in there, we're, you know, the whole the refrigerator, the freezer's just stacked with mozzarella sticks and French fries and chicken fare, all our stuff's in there. Uh, and, you know, we're getting, you know, we're using this tiny, tiny kitchen. And the good thing about, being a food concept on the shark tank is that they, they do try to put you uh, around lunchtime if they can, uh, because it is a long day for the sharks and, you know, they get hungry every, every few hours. So like we, have the luxury, yeah, yeah. we have the luxury of knowing like, okay, we'll probably be on between, I don't know, 11 and one. Um, and, and being a normal company, you, you don't get that assurance. It's, it's, Hey, you gotta be here in the morning. You might go on at 10, you might go on at, at 9 PM. We just, we just don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, we're in there and, you know, we, we've got about 45 minutes. Everything's cool. We're, we have everything set up. We're starting to drop some food. Um, and they, they tell us, hey, you guys are good. You got 20 minutes, no rush. Um, so we're cooking. We're making sandwiches. And, and you know, Tom was, he wanted to make a different sandwich for everybody. He wanted, he wanted Mark to have one sandwich and, and Kevin to have another one. And so that was cool. Um, but then, you know, a couple of minutes later, they come back and they're like, hey, guys, the, the pitch before you just ended like way early. Oh, are you ready? And we're like, no, we're not even close to being ready. <laughs> so we're in there just, this is a ridiculous kitchen. It's so hot and, and the electric's going out because we they've only got like two or three plugs and we've got them all used up and the circuits are flipping and our producers are running to the back electrical panel trying to hold it together for us. Um, and, you know, Dom's making sandwiches and they're, they're taking me out of the room to get mic'd up. And then I'm back in there wrapping sandwiches and, you know, Tom's getting mic'd up and you know, then we finally get all this food together and, and we definitely pushed, like we should have went out there a little earlier than we did. Uh, we got all the food together. We put it on this little cart and you know, they, they wheeled it up for us because because we didn't have any time uh, ourselves to bring it up. And within a minute or two, you know, hair and makeup comes back, you know, make sure everything's looking good and, and you're walking down the hallway and just like you see on TV. And so it was just such a crazy, it felt like a Friday night rush, you know, back in, in Ewing or any of the stores, you know, and so it was just such crazy hype. Um, and then all of a sudden you're just standing in front of the sharks and, and it all begins, you know? Um, how was that? How was that experience? Uh, doing the uh, pitch and all that response. Yeah, so, so, so we, uh, I think we practiced the pitch one time in, in front of the other producers prior to um, the actual performance, but it, it's unique in the sense that they say, Hey, we're filming once. Like, you make a mistake, you did, uh, uh, we're not doing this over. <laughs> so it's crazy because it's, it's as you're walking down, you see, I mean, there's literally cameras everywhere. 
everywhere, everywhere. And, and, you know, it's, you know, you see the lights and all the stuff and, you know, everybody's in the background looking. And, um, but I think because it was such a wild ride, getting the food to be ready and, and feeling like we're at home in a, you know, in the middle of the night somewhere, one of the restaurants, it, I think our, our nerves were pretty at ease. Um, and, you know, we knew the pitch super well. We, we talk about business literally 24 seven. So it's not for us, it's just a normal, uh, you know, conversation. It just happens to be in front of people that, you know, are, are worth quite a bit more money than we are, you know? So were there so, any surprises about the sharks? Like they ask you, obviously they're asking you questions and things like that. So, yeah. what, you know, what, what, how did that interaction go? I know you're looking for Mark Cuban, but you yep. had four sharks uh, of interest, right? Definitely. So yeah. So what do you think you learned from that process and were there any surprises? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, probably the biggest surprise too, was just the fact that there were so many questions coming from so many directions. And it's kind of like, whoa, like, okay, let me, let me answer this one first. And then, then I'll get to you, Robert. And there's a, I guess a lot, cause they're just hit, they're just hitting you with left and right. Um, so that was probably, um, you know, the biggest surprise. I mean, you see it a little bit on, on TV, obviously, but you know, you don't get to see the whole pitches of everybody. Um, you know, we were, we were up there for 30, 35 minutes and, and, you know, obviously at TV, you only see eight minutes or so. Uh, we were, re- Lori was really, she was the one that didn't offer us anything. And, and she was, I think she maybe had seen a sandwich or, or the brand somewhere before on Instagram. And she was, she, she couldn't, but she's like, you guys are awesome. Like I, this the brand, like, I just love it. It's a, but like, obviously I, you know, I don't think I could bring any value. Um, and, and plus I know a lot of the other sharks are interested. So, so that's why she went out, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was great validation to see, Hey, these guys are interested. This is cool. Um, and then obviously the negotiating back and forth and, and, you know, cause it's tough when you call out one person like Mark, like, Hey, Mark, will you go down to 15% or then could offend somebody else or, you know, so it is tricky in that situation. And they, you know, they, they, they try to, they try to get you in, in the corner sometimes if they can, but I think overall it was, it was, it was really good. We had a lot of fun, a lot of banter back and forth with them. And yeah, we just had a blast. So did you have a kind of a bottom line, you know, in mind before you went in, like this is, this is, this is as far as we'll go. And if that doesn't happen, we're out. What you saw on TV was the farthest we were going to go, actually. <laughs> so that was, that was they got like, you to your number, huh? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. And, and you know, and and because I think at the time that when everybody was at 17%, and, you know, 15 was our max. That was all we were going to do. We already agreed to it. Um, and then and then we had kind of singled out Mark and said, hey, would you be willing to go down to 15? We can get this thing done. And, uh, yeah, luckily he did. And that was a cool thing about Mark, too, is because in, in the, you know, when we were up there, he had even said like, Hey, you guys, everything I look for, checking all the boxes. The one thing I just can't get past is just the health, you know, the, the food, the fact that the food's not healthy and, you know, Mark invests in all, all sorts of healthy, you know, snacks and bars. And, um, so getting him over that hump was, was definitely, you know, cause we, we don't recommend you eat fast track every day. And we said, Mark, this is a cheap meal and, and, you know, people love it. And, yeah, you don't come in every day, but, you know, have it when you're ready, you know, and have it when you're looking for the best food of your life, <laughs> you know? That's a great story. We're going we're to take a quick break. We come back, we'll talk a little about what happened once Mark was on board, what you guys did next. Uh, you're listening to Master Finances. We'll be right back. This is Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, certified financial planner professional. Learn about tax efficiency, liability, owning, managing, and saving your money and more from Kurt and his experienced panel of guests. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. Welcome back. You're listening to Master Your Finance. I'm Kurt Baker here with Kevin Gebauer. And you guys just finished up like the whole process of getting um, on Shark Tank after you had a you had a good business model going, but you said, hey, you had some other you you had some now you had some uses for the money. So you actually had some ideas like where you had some other people that maybe were coming up. They say, hey, if we added a little little extra money, maybe we could add a store there and add a store here. But you had a proof of concept. You had actual idea of what you're going to do with it. You kind of went through the process. 
ultimately you were successful uh, and you got Mark Cuban on board. And so I, I know that people talk about, well, you, you want to get a, you know, a really wealthy, successful person on board because they have a lot of money, but I think it's a lot more than that. I think they bring a lot of expertise, right? Cause sometimes we'll see sharks, they'll step out. Cause I look, I just really can't add a whole lot to this. It's just not an area I'm really familiar with. Not that I'm not interested. I'm not that I don't think it's a great idea. It's just that I'm not sure what to do. So I'm going to assume that Mark felt um, he could add some value. So what types of things have you seen him add other than, yeah. you know, his financial backing? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, first off, I think the biggest um, plus that had come so far uh, for us is the fact that, you know, first of all, once we aired back in, in May of 19, we had in the first like month, we had over 3000 franchise requests that had come in through the website. And it just, uh, you know, we were just getting crushed with emails, which was cool to see. And then it was like, well, wait a second. Now I got to respond to everybody. Um, but no, I think the fact that just having Mark on board, I think provided a legitimacy to what we were doing, uh, to the fact that now, hey, people are looking to potentially buy a franchise, while Mark Cuban and his team just did a full due diligence on these guys and 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 they invested. So it's got to be a legitimate um, system. And and so I think just giving us that edge as to hey, these guys are the real deal helped us a lot. I mean, we had a surge of interest. Um, the great thing working with Mark and, and he knows. So, so as we've built this, this company, it's been very, very important to us that we build sustainable, uh, sustainably and to, to open up stores with people that we know will be successful. Um, you know, we jump around at different States because, uh, you know, the, the area doesn't matter to us more. So it's the actual owner operator. And so, uh, you know, we talked, you know, to market length saying, Hey, we're not going to just go sell 500 franchises and collect all these, these, this money, because then in two years, we're going to be getting crushed by, you know, people not knowing what they're doing or people trying to do other things and not follow the system. And so he's on board with us growing at our like correct pace where we're going to hate these stores are going to be around for a long time. These are profitable units. And this is how we want to want to build. Um, how, how did you manage this influx of franchisee requests? Because as you did in the past, you kind of yeah. knew these people and they were kind of proving to you that they could manage a store by what they were currently doing. You're like, I'm going to invest in. If you get an email from somebody saying, hey, I'm a great person. I want to open a store. Yeah. You really don't know a whole lot about them. So, And you had a lot of them. So yeah, we had a lot of them. Yeah. Has anything changed about how you do a franchisee since now you have a lot more interest because you're known, right? You're well yeah. known. Exactly. So we've had a few. So, so prior to launching on the tent, on the Shark Tank, we did have uh, probably four or five outside people that we had brought up through the system. And the big thing with us is, you know, could we have sold a hundred franchises and collected all? Sure, but you know, obviously, we, we want to make sure we're doing this thing right. Um, so the big thing for us, and you know, it's funny because you say sell a franchise. I mean, our big thing is to convince someone not to buy a fat check franchise because the restaurant industry is tough. You can be in there in the middle of the night and whatever it takes. And, and it's not easy and it's not for everybody. And so our goal is to is to try to push people away as best we can so that when they do sign up and it's really what they want, they know what they're getting into. They know what it's going to take to be successful. Um, you know, there's no surprises, um, you know, so that's been our big push. So as all the emails came through, I mean, we had to organize them between, hey, top candidates, middle candidates, bottom candidates, you know, let's get at least a first draft going to, to each of these so that everybody has a response. And, and, and yeah, start, started off with phone calls to the ones that were really promising. And, you know, over time we, uh, now we have a, a, quite a few that have come, you know, from the shark tank, we got, you know, our, our uh, franchise opening up in Las Vegas next year that, that was from the, the shark tank. And, uh, the guys out in Kansas that we work with at first heard is from the Shark Tank, and so yeah. what kind of screening did you use to break those into the different segments? I mean, you have a top candidate. What typical yeah. qualities did you see of a top candidate? So what we actually, yeah, definitely. So so leading up to the show, knowing that there obviously would be more of a surge than normal when when we aired, what we did was we beefed up our franchisee uh, request form. So before it was maybe like five or six fields and it was really easy to just say, yeah, I want to open a fat check like this town. I'm a good guy, you know? And so now it's like, all right, these people have to go through like 20 minutes worth of stuff to, to just get in front of us via email. Um, so that I think helped curbed a lot of people realizing like, ah, I'm not, this isn't for me. Um, and then, so basically, you know, we've got questions on there, like how much are you willing to invest? How, how much, how much, how many hours are, are you able to dedicate? And, 
you know, for those people looking for just a financial model and, hey, I want to invest because I've got X amount of thousands of dollars. And, you know, th those aren't the people we're looking for. Um, you know, we're looking for those people. Hey, I've been working at this restaurant. I've been a GM for four years. Like I, I've always wanted to do my own thing and, and, and I've got some money and I, you know, I think I can get there. But, you know, those are the people we're looking for, the people that know it, the people that will be there when when they need to be there and be the owner that will make a, a restaurant successful. So, yeah, I mean, just knowing what we've seen be successful in the past, that's kind of how we split everybody up. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a challenge. And we had a, several people on the email box try, trying to categorize and write back to people. And it, and it was tough because we, we literally just, it, it was the, must've been the week after we aired, we, we were opening our Fort Worth, Texas store. And, you know, Mark lives in North Dallas, probably about 45 minutes from, from Fort Worth. And so that opening was just out of control to begin with. And, and, and now, you know, we're there trying to make food and make sure everything's going well. And we've got all these emails trickling in. It's like, oh man, it was probably one of the busier times of our lives. <laughs> I would so, say. Obviously Shark Tank and Mark Cuban brings a lot of uh, awareness to the organization. So that's a plus yeah. of course, but what, Definitely. what kind of expertise did, do you think he's, he's lent to you guys because he's done a lot and he's been very successful. So what kinds of things do you think you've learned from him that you Definitely. may not have known before the partnership started? So, so our goal with Mark too is is more so like a long term vision and partnership together with him. So we we recognize, hey, in the beginning, great, we'll get this surge, a couple of years of legitimacy. Mark Cuban's evolved, awesome. You know, we we met with him at one of our Texas stores in Denton, actually prior to when we aired, and you know, he just, we were just sitting down at one of the booths in, in our uh, store out there for hour, hour and a half. And it, I mean, he was just spitball. I like to think I operated at a high level. Uh, I mean, Mark's just on the next level, whatever that next level is. I mean, fish back and forth ideas, this, what about this? Like, okay, okay. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Let's not do that. But what about this? And, and, you know, just, just little things here and there and just knowing that that's now the pace we should be operating at. And his big thing too, is just, listen, guys, you gotta be precise. You gotta know what you're doing and then you gotta put the foot on the gas. Um, and so we've, you know, in that, knowing that and, and, and just thinking in that new way. I mean, we've restructured a lot of ways that we do things just with our corporate staff and made it so that we're more efficient to allow for us to open more stores during every year. And, you know, just doing a lot of that kind of stuff, knowing like, Hey, there's another level we could be hitting here and we got to be hitting it and we got to be hitting it now. Um, and then obviously in the long term, of course, as we continue to scale, I believe there's going to be plenty of plenty of places where Mark will step in or, or, you know, I mean, we've already chatted with him about uh, a couple spots in Dallas we were looking at, but the cool thing about Mark is he knows we're, we're autonomous and, and, and he, you know, that's how we've always operated. And so he's not, he's not stepping in and saying, Hey, go, do this and do that. And, you know, if that was what it was going to be, I mean, we, we wouldn't have been looking for an investment, you know, cause we, we kind of do our thing and he, he recognizes that and, and he, he believes in us. So he, he kind of lets it, lets it all happen. And if there's ways he can help, great. You know, well, so. it's great to have such, you know, excellent expertise there with you. So I'm yeah. going to touch on, um, I know you, your business model is kind of a takeout anyway, but did yeah. you notice, what did you notice uh, here in 2020, you know, with the, with the COVID situation and what do you guys see happening, uh, you know, next year Any any changes or any developments that may be happening in the future here? Definitely. So we, so we, um, uh, great question. Cause yeah, COVID obviously put everybody on notice <laughs> pretty quickly. And in the beginning we, you know, we thought, Hey, you know, what's going to happen? This is, this is crazy, unprecedented. Um, you know, we, we sh had to shut down all our dining rooms obviously, but yeah, we've had a huge, huge, huge chunk of our business always was delivery and takeout. And that was, that was, that was how we started in Ewing. Most people didn't even know where the bagel shop was. They just knew that they called this number, they could get some food, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so we, it was funny because a year or two prior to that, we had recognized we had a point of sale system that was just very clunky and, and, and they had online ordering for us, but it just wasn't good. And so we had actually switched to this new um, point of sale system called Toast that's just leaps and bounds above, uh, you know, some of the competitors in the space and also cheaper somehow. Um, so we knew that the digital game was important. This is, this is probably two years before COVID even happened. So, you know, now we've got much more of a seamless experience when you're ordering delivery or takeout or what have you. And so we fortunately were, were uh, very prepared. Um, and so when it did happen and, and everything went, you know, to the third party apps, 
we were already on there. We were already highly ranked. We were already, you know, had many, many, many hundreds of reviews. So, you know, people see that now and they're using the apps for the first time. They're like, oh, this place looks legitimate. Like, cool. Like, let me try it. Um, And again, it's something we probably take for granted, but our packaging, the way we, the way we operate our businesses, I mean, it's just what we've always known. But it's crazy because I had even ordered just being um, locked down from from restaurants that we've gone to. And it's like, guys, this is tough. Like, how are you putting it in this package? And this it's like, it, I think it's simple because we've just been doing it forever. Mm-hmm. But like, there is, there is quite a bit to it that that you got to consider, you know? And so, yeah, we were just super, super lucky. And, and you know, our sales at our stores, um, it had kind of crept up and up because I, I guess, you know, less places were open with COVID and, yeah, we just sort of really, really were were fortunate on that front. So what so what do you see happening for the restaurant business, yours as well as the overall business coming up in 20, uh, 21 as we hopefully uh, pull ourselves out of this situation? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think people have formed habits. I think I think the um, you know being able to order food online it's just getting more and more popular. It'll continue to go that way. We've got three now uh, virtual kitchens, two of which in Chicago, one in Philadelphia that we already had on the dockets that now are are. You know, and th- these are kitchens that sort of like Ewing, where it's just in a warehouse, and there's 20 kitchens, 20 different restaurants, and it's just delivery, just delivery, just pickup. Um, and so we've got, you know, I think there's going to be a pretty big surge of that coming um, in the future. And they're already the company we're working with is already building facilities in major cities across the across the country and in other countries. So I think that's going to be, yeah, I mean, it's just going to keep going in this direction for sure. Well, Kevin, it's been awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about it. I mean. Uh... I can't wait to get one of those myself. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, really appreciate it for sure. Thank, yeah. Thanks, excellent. Yeah, uh, you've been listening to uh, Master Your Finances. I'm Kurt Baker. I can be reached uh, through our uh, our website, which is uh, masteryourfinances.us. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of our podcasts. Remember, together we can master your finances. So you can enjoy financial peace of mind. That was this week's episode of Master Your Finances with Kurt Baker, Certified Financial Planner Professional. Tune in every Sunday at 9 a.m. to expand your knowledge in building and managing your wealth. Missed an episode? No worries. You can subscribe to a free weekly episode of Master Your Finances to listen to on your favorite podcasting platform. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever. Master Your Finances is underwritten by Certified Wealth Management and Investment. Only on 1077 The Bronx.